Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you guys back here. Today, we'll be talking to someone who we know very well, Aaron Anders. Now, he's a man of many hats. He is uh, my boss at work, but simultaneously, I have known him to be a serial entrepreneur, an amazing guy, and always been an excellent mentor to me. So super happy to have him on the podcast today to talk to you guys about what he has experienced with his different businesses, his entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how he created a strong social media brand, how he's managed hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory, and what he would do if he was in my position today as a young entrepreneur. Uh, you know, whether that's real estate or corporate jobs or his entrepreneurship or how exactly he would manage that. So I think we have tons of great content for you guys today, and I'm super happy to jump into it. Let's go. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. How are you today? Good, man. Good to see you guys. It's been a while. Thanks for jumping onto our, our podcast and we're excited to chat with you a bit today about some of your different ventures. Um, we know you from College Pro, obviously, but uh, you've always had something going on from, from what I understand. Uh, so I, I think from what I wanted to hear about, and I know bits and pieces because we've known each other for quite a little while now, um, but I wanted to hear back to the beginning, have you always been an entrepreneurial sort of guy? I know you're very competitive. Have you always been entrepreneurial throughout your life? For sure. I mean, I it's funny to say like we've known each other, gosh, like for for those that don't like we've known each other for a while, right? Like all of us have worked with both of you from almost like a very early part of your entrepreneurial careers. And and yeah, I've, I've always had something going on. And it's not about a distraction. I just I just always think of it like a professional athlete would do athletic things outside of their actual sport right like nhl players play golf in the summer right like it's not like you, you if that's just like part of who you are that's just kind of part of who you are so for me doing things is like that and and your question like have it been that way absolutely i mean for me some of like my first some of like the first things i remember like selling my sister when i i remember learning that like beer can empties were worth something and selling them to my sister for like a cut out of our garage, which is just ridiculous. But that's like when you're like, you don't even know enough to know any different. That's that's to me when I think of like, how is it like built in? And then some of the like the very, very first things that I can remember was that uh, I remember. So when we uh, moved I'm from Barrie, Ontario, and when we moved to where we did, we were kind of on that on the, the edge of town that was just being built like it was the sub we were like the last subdivision that was finished before it would go into another construction site where they were building another subdivision um and i remember being i was like eight and seeing like the the tuck truck like the lunch truck and snack truck kind of run through and you know gosh like what do they sell like how's that thing just interesting i'm like well it's hot it's the summer right so you're like selling soda like selling pop right so it's like okay well what do they sell for? Well, they sell it for 50 cents. Well, how much does it cost? Like 10 cents. They're selling for a pound. I ever they sell it for 50 cents. It's something crazy. This would be crazy money. So putting like the the cooler full of ice with a, a case of like the assorted pop into, into a cooler and, and ice and dragging on the wagon that we had since I was like four or whatever and dragging it through construction sites and like putting the piece of ice on like the back of my neck because I'm like sweating, but like literally yelling at construction workers like who's thirsty and doing that three times a day knowing when the truck time line was and i try and beat the truck timeline i just want to try and beat the truck timeline and my, my mom in her minivan being like 
created like this monster like what are we doing like she's like loading her van full of like our garage is full of it and like all that stuff but so for me like that was again i'm like for like understanding there's value in uh you know empties and and what have you and understood like that being an inherent response and then being eight and that was like literally my summer job if you want to think of that when i was eight i mean 50 bucks a day to or whatever to a eight-year-old is like winning the lottery like what can, like what does an eight you can only buy so much candy like so you know it's just kind of like who who i've always been and then you know when you mentioned competitive like that that's always like growing up playing sports like that's just I'm competitive with others. I'm competitive with myself. And, you know, fishing's always been a really big, being outside, like I said, like that summer job, if you will, was like dragging a a wagon around through construction sites. Like, I just, I love that whole aspect of it. And then kind of work through some of that side of, of my world too. So I think, you know, when I thought about, you know, being in, having an internship, like it came up again in university and like, could I run a business? And what do you mean? I'd be outside and doing almost like a labor style business. Like that just really fit me. Like I always just kind of fit that side of things. So it's, yeah, it's been really built into me. And I think that's one of the, one of the questions that I actually ask a lot of people when I, when they say they're an entrepreneur, I just want to know what they did for, for fun when they were eight. Like if you, like, if I know what you did for fun when you were eight, like it's going to tell me a lot about whether or not somebody's actually an entrepreneur or whether or not they're interested in it and there's nothing wrong with being interested in it, but like there's a different layer when it's kind of baked into you. And sometimes I really wish it wasn't baked into me. Things would be a lot easier sometimes, <laughs> but it, it just is. Well, now you're making me feel inadequate here. And because I think when I was eight, I was mostly playing either uh, road hockey or with Legos. I don't think there was really much entrepreneurial spirit there. So. Hey, but I, I think there's an element of that though. Like, again, I put like that you're doing something right. Like, and, and I don't mean that in any other way than like road hockey and like after school doing something or like playing Legos, like building something. I think building something is a huge part of that. Right. Like, and I, so I push on that a bit when I'm like, competitive building like there's an element of like lego and all those other stuff like i talk about someone asked me what i like to do most is build stuff that's that is like my whole thing is i like to build things and kind of go forward and forward and forward so i think it's i don't know i think things like that also have have an aspect of, of it too fair enough yeah well i guess uh kind of going back to what you're saying about the outdoor and fishing i think one thing that we were very curious about today was uh you know the brand that you've created with with woo tungsten uh, you know, for those in our audience who don't know, it's a really big, really popular fishing brand. Uh, and I guess my question, first and foremost, is I've always wondered about the name, Woo. Is that an onomatopoeia? <laughs> is it like, Woo, yeah, I just caught a big fish? Like, or is it, like, is it an acronym? I've always wanted to know. It's no, acronym. it's exactly what it is. It's it's like, Woo, I just caught a big fish. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> we had some horrible names. Like when we were, so I have a, a partner who I, I actually met in universities and college playing uh, you know fishing and doing a bunch of different stuff and uh, we fished tournaments together and um you know when we were talking about doing this like we thought about we had some terrible names. i wish i kept them in my phone I mean, we had like we thought we were going to sell a lot of weights like way down south in florida which we do but we were like you know gator tooth tungsten you know, like like the logo with like one of their teeth being like a, a tungsten fishing weight like, it's just we had some horrible things when I look back at it, but um, yeah, no, we, we just kicked around a lot of names and then the periodic table for uh, f- like for tungsten, the, the symbol is a W and we're like, well, it should start with a W. And then we were like, well, I was like, woo. And there's like, I was thinking W U. So a lot of 
fishing brands and especially like higher end, which tungsten basically tungsten is taking the exact same product that's typically made in out of lead and making it out of a, a higher grade metal and tungsten. So it's kind of a more of a call premium style product of a very standard product. A lot of that stuff is like out of out of Japan where it's like super high end. So I was thinking like woo tungsten. And he heard it like woo, like when you catch a giant fish. And it we kind of kicked around a bunch of stuff for a couple of weeks and we just we couldn't shake it. It was all things like, well it's not as good as woo. Not as good as woo. It's not as good as woo. And so when we said that enough, we're like, well, I guess it's going to be woo. It made, it made sense and it kind of stuck. So it's been fun. And um, yeah, it's easy to, it's, it's a fun way to sign off an email or a text message. <laughs> so it's uh, it stuck. Definitely. CEO, woo. Exactly. <laughs> In the email signature. Yeah, I know. That must be fun. Good on hats as well. It works. It works. So yeah, you, you mentioned you you started that with a with a partner and you kind of bounced around names. What were the like the beginnings of Woo? When when did that come about? Like it it's funny. Like I uh, so 2016 is when the business started. Um, you know when I think about like starting it. So the the long and short of it, for those that don't know fishing, uh, what we make is a product that essentially takes your lure through weeds. That's what it does. So fish live in weeds. You've got a weight that moves it in to the weed so it can get deeper in. Your lure can get deeper into the weeds where the fish live. Tungsten is more dense than lead, which means it's a smaller profile. So we can put a bigger amount of weight in a smaller profile, which means you can get it further into the weeds typically. So it's just, a, again, a bit of a, a different piece. So there's a little more to it than that, but that's the, the general thought. Uh, but it's way more expensive. I mean, like five times, six times more expensive than lead. But it, it, it makes a big difference. So I started fishing with tungsten one summer. And pike are a, a type of fish that have really big teeth. I'm not looking to catch pike. I'm looking to catch some other species, mainly bass fishing. And uh, when pike eat it, their teeth cut your line like razors, just gone. So I fished a lot that summer with tungsten. And I lost a lot of tungsten to pike. So I was like, I got to find a cheaper way. There's got to be a better way to do this. This is brutal. So... First, I started to look actually for sponsors because I have a few other sponsors that I work with in the fishing world. And I thought I was looking for sponsors and it just kind of hit me to go, well, if I'm looking for this, I bet a lot of others were. So we started looking for a manufacturer. We found a manufacturer and uh, I'll never forget like uh, sending an email uh, to my friend uh, who I used to fish tournaments with. I'm like, I think we could, I think this could be a thing. And I, I'll, I actually had to stop in this like park. I was walking my dog and I had to stop in this park and send him an email which now just send him a text but i literally i had to forward him an email with a price list i think we could actually do something with this and um and that's kind of where it started and that was in july of 2016 um our site went live in november of 2016 and then we spent the time from july to november trying to decide if we could actually build a community uh, and build a brand around it because at the end of the day i i knew in advance that we would always just be selling a piece of metal like this is not a proprietary we do have some proprietary products at this point that we've been able to evolve into but the the standard designs it's like selling i don't know, like apple juice like apple juice is apple juice like milk is milk like that's just the kind of the way it was going to be on some of these standard products so if we didn't have like that brand that you know when you go to shop for milk you don't even i don't even know what brand honestly we have i just know it's blue if i were to go buy the milk again like i'm literally just going to go to the milk i'm just going to go grab the same same thing i just knew we had to like build that in 
in advance. So we did a little bit of that. And, and as I said, 2016 is when we started. So we're sitting here in 2021 and sort of about five years into, into it right now. And, uh, it's been I, I com- not even close to what was, we did not have. We had no idea that this is where we were going to be with this business right now. And it's been a really cool, challenging, fun, frustrating, exciting, and anxious ride all the way through. And I think that business is much harder to run today than it was on day one, which I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize. For sure. And I see your almost 200,000 followers on Instagram, right? I'm curious as to uh, how you got that started, because I know yeah. that a lot of the posts you have are they're super genuine like some of them are you know your smiling kids or your friends or yourself um yeah and so it could be you know just your your fishing page but it's it's really attracted a lot of people and you've obviously been successful in building a community so how did you what are some of the strategies you used to do that well i think one of the things for sure like from the beginning is it, again, I mentioned how it started. It's because I, I was fishing and I had a problem, like, and I wanted to solve the problem. So, like, I, we know what's, we know the community. So, like, when you, if you're in any community and you talk the talk, you understand whether or not someone's genuine or not. And I think that's an important piece of it. When someone comes from outside and tries to be part of the community, not because they're new to the community, but because they're trying to, like, um, you know, manufacture their way into the community, everyone realizes, everyone knows it. And I think that's a big piece of it. Um, the other part is we honestly started giving other people love, right? We made it like there's a concept of like a repost account, which is a concept. But when it was like, no, like I actually, I think there's just a big, big difference. It, so if anyone wants to go start a repost account, you will gain followers. It will happen. Like there's no, it, it's great. But I think the part that changed a little bit for us that was really, really important is like, we would repost photos. I'd have like eight or 10 that were like banked because I'm actually an Instagram, actually going through the scroll, actually being like, that is a giant. And then can add my own two cents to the post, repost somebody. That person thinks it's cool to be reposted to 8,000, 2,000, 16,000 people. Other people tag you because they want to get reposted. I think the other thing that we did is we absolutely like lowered our standard to what we will do in our story, which is not a negative. It's just like, literally, we don't, it doesn't need to be a giant fish. It just needs to be somebody who's enjoying fishing. So I think like our, our, it gives us our, our, our scope of our content gets significantly bigger because of that. Now there's a line, there's, there's, there's definitely a line, but like what would typically, it does not need to be high quality footage it's got to be a good picture of you and a fish like it can't just be like can't be blurry junk uh, you know so because there's a line where people won't watch but i think just genuinely like going hey like in our feed you got to be at a certain caliber to be in our feed but i we want to be there but like to be in our story we we post a lot of people and we do a lot of things which makes people feel very included and in a genuine way not that we're just trying to go hey like we're going to post anything and everything and all of these other things so i think we had a really good balance of that, but it it's also like, again, myself and my partner, we're both very part of that community. If I wasn't doing Woo, I would still be liking those same photos, those other people's photos. So if that's the case, like we built that. And then over time, you know, we've been able to tailor it a little bit to more like clearly people that you know, are wearing our brand or, or featuring our brand 
are going to have a way better chance of being posted. But if you're not if you're not wearing our brand and you have a like an absolute a giant, we're still gonna post it. We're still gonna post it, and we're still gonna do those things too. But I so I think that that was a big piece of building the community, and uh, it, it just it's it's an ability. It's not about like influencers. It's about just you know genuinely trying to have people that are are of the same interest in the same place and and promote that environment and it it's it's gone really well for us but you mentioned 200 it's kind of what i was saying when it's, it's harder now it was way easier to manage when it was twenty thousand, but now we have 200 and we get dms all the time of like why am i not be post why am i not being featured you featured my friend with all this other stuff like i hate you guys you guys are terrible you're picking like we just the the, the level of just noise that we get right now is 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 unbelievable um so again we have something we brought in a person and I, i'm sure we'll get to that at some point but you know we brought in a person to be our filter on some of that stuff because again twenty thousand people like i want the 200 i'm like do you because it's pretty loud <laughs> right if you had a party with two thousand people it's gonna have a different volume than twenty thousand and that's gonna hold a whole different volume at two hundred thousand um when you kind of work through it that way but it's part of the it's part of what you have to do if you want to run the style of business let's say that that everybody seems to want to run today yeah and i was wondering that's very very cool i mean our last episode actually was on the, the social media growth side of things so i mean i hate to repeat myself but i'm super curious about you know the way that works because social media is something that's so huge right now in running your business and i think that that's something that everybody sees and it seems easy but I mean, if I were to go out and start to try to grow a brand like that tomorrow through social media, I think it would be uh, pretty difficult. I don't know where I would start. So I guess I'm curious, you know, you, you talked about starting the business and developing the product list and getting in with sponsorships. And what role did social media play in growing? You know, was that the main way that you connected to audience at the beginning or was it more through the branding, sponsorships and networking? Uh, how, how did that yeah, play was, out? Social media was everything. Really curious. Social media led to the sponsors. I mean, the amazing thing, so I think, so you mentioned some of the stuff, like it's social media, which means it's social and it's media. So you need to be social, <laughs> which means like nobody likes to be at a party where someone hosts the party and they're just a jerk up no, and no one sees it. You know what I mean? Like you, you've got to be social if you're the host, like weird that we feel like we're the host of that community. So it's like the social side and the genuine side. And then the media has got to be on point. The media side of the business is a big piece of it. It was everything. The Thing that we have in a lot of our uh, a lot of our, we're very particular in sponsors and we rarely have any financial sponsorship but it's because somebody will have 17,000 followers and we have 200,000 and it's not about like a me versus you it's just like we have benefit to somebody who has 17,000 followers they've been working for five years to get 17,000 if we bring them on and we feature you like I, I know in two months I can move you to 25 Right. If you've got if you've got good content, I 100 percent know I can move you from 17 to 25 in two months. But it took you five years to get to 17. So the 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 25 now to what that person can go potentially get from some other sponsor because they're crossing another threshold. I think one of the coolest things that we do for certain people is we get them past that 10,000 follower mark, which is where you can have a swipe up, which is so valuable. Right. So if you're sitting at 8,200. I mean, honestly, in 10 days, I can move somebody from 8,200 to 10,000. And now they have swipe up and working through some of that stuff too. And that was a big piece of it three years ago. I mean, that's a little different now, but like without it being like, I can move that for you for $250. I'll get you these fake, but like, it's not that deal. It's like, 
I can move, we can move stuff around. So social media has been everything for us, but it is so truly like social as one half media as another half and making sure that those kind of connect together. And a lot of our sponsorships are around, uh, yeah, people that we want to have as like, you know, fellow hosts of the party, if you will, at a higher level. Right. So what is the, the core difference, would you say, between your social media strategy that yielded, you know, 170,000 versus someone who has 17,000 within four years? Like, what? how are you creating that? Uh, I think two, two things. One would be the 17,000 is usually about them. Like they're trying to make their own content and their me content. And there's nothing wrong with that as you know, so for me, it's a lot, it'd be a lot harder if I was just trying to take pictures of fish that I've caught, especially in the last five years and you know, kids and all that other stuff that have shown up in the last five years. Like there's a lot of other things going on. So that also brings in frequency. So if it's about me and look at what I've caught and look at what I've done and look at me and these other things, and here's me with this and here's me with that and all this other stuff like that, that does not, uh, it limits the volume that someone can, can produce in content. And it also limits someone's interest point. Like you got to be pretty freaking interesting for me, for someone to watch, like see you four posts a day. You got to be really, really interesting. And it's, it's tough to do that. So I, I think like, that's a big piece of it is that, and it's not just making it a, again, there's a layer, like not just making it a repost account, but it took five years. Like we didn't go from zero to 200,000. We went from zero to eight to 10 to 14 to 22. The other thing that we've done a lot of that I think is kind of lost a little bit in Instagram. It's still there a bit, but is, is giveaways. So partnering with other, other accounts that are, that were bigger accounts than ours at the time. And we would provide product and we never really paid for giveaways, but we provide product and we do a bunch of cool stuff like that for giveaways. And, and those like collaborations are massive, but like that 17,000 follower person, you're already in an amazing, you're probably already on it. I don't know the actual stat. You're probably in the top 10% of Instagram already. Um, but partnering with somebody that has 8,000, I think a lot of them would be like, yeah, they have half as many followers as I do. But if it's a slightly different audience, it's a good thing. And you're going to have at 17,000, a way better chance at partnering with somebody who has 8,000 to do some sort of giveaway or some sort of something than you will with somebody who has 175,000. So being able to do that. And now that person who's 8,000 is pumped because you've actually given more to them than they've given to you. And now you've got somebody else as part of your community and a genuine build. So it's not always just about going, going, let's say to that direction, but you know, we did a lot of that stuff too. We did a lot of giveaways with smaller accounts. We did a lot of, tried to do a lot of giveaways with some bigger accounts. Um, we met a lot of people in person at different places. Like, I think that was a, you know, it was a thing a bit differently in the last you know, two years, but like a lot of that stuff of like being able to partner and like genuinely give to the community was really really important and then honestly it doesn't happen i mean it's five years five years is a long time it's longer than most people's undergrads <laughs> right so it, it's just there's like an element of like posting all day being in there all day for years and it being becoming a you know becoming part of part of what you do versus like the only path so anyway that that's been a big piece of what we did and it was all social media to start like 100 percent. and you mentioned outsourcing as well um because you've grown a lot and obviously over like you said five years that was exactly the length of my undergrad actually i like to extend it out a little bit um but yeah five years i bet a lot of has changed i'm curious as to what you have outsourced and if there's anything that you've outsourced, why you chose those things and then which 
pieces you want to keep as what you manage. That's an odd, I mean, I, like, I love the way you phrase the question, like, how did you decide what to outsource and what did you want to keep? And I don't even know that it was a conscious decision, but like when you put it that way, it makes me think about that. We, we outsource the things that we suck at. Like, I, you know, like we have a graphic designer full on full retainer for $70 a month. Like this is not crazy dollars, right? Like some months we ask him to do nothing. We give him nothing. Other months, we actually ask him to do quite a bit, but he's 70 bucks a month. And the amount of time, I mean, one, if I spent all the time in the world, I would never get the quality of output. And two, it, it just, it's, it doesn't make sense, even if I could get the output at the time that would go in to needing to do that. So like all our product photos, for example, we'll take the raw photos. So a picture of a weight happens on my counter, usually do it in the morning so that there's less sun. <laughs> right so it's like it's nice it's decent light i take the picture off of a with a piece of paper a half folded piece of paper so it's a white foreground and back like bottom and background and i take the picture but then i send it to terrence we send them all to terrence and terrence does all our uh, so every product image if we're doing giveaways like i talk about giveaways like you know if we're doing giveaways we go hey terrence we're doing this giveaway here's this thing. like terrence is our guy but i don't have the skill and even if i did have the skill i don't have the time like it's not going to be where i go so that's been something that we've We've outsourced. That was one of the first things we outsourced. Uh, when we built our Shopify site, honestly, we outsourced that too. Um, that was 150 bucks. That would have—I don't even want to know what it would have looked like if we tried to build a Shopify site five years ago. It would have been brutal. Like, but we're kind of like, I don't really know how to do this. How much is it? Like, let's talk about how much is it. It was 150 bucks. We're like, great. So Prince, his name's Prince. Prince is still does—he still does stuff for us. Like, we had to—we redid our our cart design actually like six months ago, and he—he he had to go in and do a bit of coding go like i'm like i would have never done that so like we literally just shot a video of like another cart design that we liked better on another site and a few other things that we wanted and then we gave it to him and it cost a couple hundred bucks so uh, a lot of our shopify design that stuff gets outsourced uh a lot again graphics that's all completely outsourced we we outsource we so we we ran a lot of our own facebook stuff at first we outsource that now a lot of our social media ads we actually just uh uh, ended our contract with our freelancer there uh we just weren't they just since the ios update just don't think that person was changing it uh, you know doing what they need to do so we'll get in and we'll learn more a bit again but i think that's a piece like there's either it's either something you have like no having no idea on what something should be and outsourcing it is a really really bad idea so like graphic design like i know what it should be like i know what it should look like and I know like a price that I'm like, like, is that look good or does it not look good? <laughs> right. There's an element. Same thing with like Shopify. I'm like, well, I guess we didn't really know how long it takes to make a Shopify store. Um, but I don't know for 150 bucks, like if it didn't work, it didn't work. It wasn't a big deal. I think Facebook ads is a really scary one. If you have no context of how to run a Facebook ad and what a decent row as is and, and, and all that stuff, what that looks like, it's, that's, that's a tough one. So that was something that we did for a bit learned enough that we felt like we could outsource it because it it is time consuming and we outsourced it to somebody on a on a contract so that that'll be something else we outsource accounting something we outsource that's something that i just that's so bookkeeping accounts payable that was a really big learning point for me we did it for a long time um but we outsourced to an accountant but i ended up feeling like i was doing all the bookkeeping which is just not it just wasn't the right piece so having a bookkeeper that was also 
trustworthy that we could have to do our accounts payable was really, really important because that means, I mean, it's coming to us. They're, they're getting approval to make a payment, but then they're making the payments, which means they can do the proper bookkeeping, which means they're in context of everything. So if you're getting an, if you're, if someone's listening, if you're getting an account and getting an accountant bookkeeper who's doing your accounts payable, the accounts payable piece was really, really, uh, it took a lot off our plate but there's a little more vulnerability there, but that was really, really important. So like, you know, again, a bit of marketing at this point, finance, if you want to call it finance, like that's, that's outsourced. Uh, social media, we really, like our Instagram is my partner, Chris, that's his thumbs. I, I'm in there too. Like those are my thumbs. Like we talk a little bit about it. We do have somebody that filters our DMs for us so uh, we respond to all of our dms uh, personally but the ones that are just like spam and noise and just stuff like that we have that also somebody dms us something for support so an issue with an order that person that filters it will say hey email your your you know email this and your order number to support at wutungson.com so just redirect it into a bit of a different filter and bucket so that's something else we're doing a bit of right now because again the noise is significant so, so what's it in if you don't have to have an idea like what is good bad and it needs to be managed and i think that's been a really big learning point for us over the last I'll say 12 months in particular, like we outsourced, I think we kind of over-indexed a bit on outsourcing, which cost us a bunch of money, not a business ending amount of money by any means, but like just an inefficient use of money. We're like, okay, cool. Like we, it's the cost of learning, but we had to go do that. So yeah, as I said, like I don't, if I went away for a week, the business would still run without me, but I'm not on like a beach in Cabo and sand, like, and it just runs itself, right? Like I'd come back to a mess, like things that we don't outsource, inventory management, that is all me. We cannot have that screw up. I can't just go to the tungsten store and buy stuff. Like that's got to be like uh, forecasted, managed, received into warehouses. Like that is also our biggest cost. Like we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. We're talking six to six week to six month lead times. We're talking like components that go into some of those baits that are a year in advance that need to get into a warehouse that then has a six week lead time. So that kind of stuff, like, that's business mission critical, we still deal with. So to me, social media and our inventory management and um, you know, and kind of decision-making on design, that's all, that, that probably won't ever, I shouldn't say ever, but won't ever leave where we are. Um, but that stuff stays with us right now. A lot of the other elements though are kind of fragmentally, fractionally uh, outsourced at this point. So my takeaway is that you outsource the things that you know enough about to know that you shouldn't do them yourself got it okay and but know enough but know enough about that you can manage somebody else's performance yeah. that mm-hmm. you you know you know if their work is you know if their work is shit or not because if you don't you're just gonna get you know the wool pulled over your eyes and and just kind of it's never going to be a good thing you got to know whether or not it's good or bad productivity but yeah, if you know if you know if you don't know what you're, if it's not your wheelhouse, it should probably get outsourced once you can afford it. 
Gotcha. You're gonna have to hook me up with Terrence because I've been playing around in Photoshop. I can already tell, you know, not my thing. Uh, I don't think the the graphic design is for me. My uh, efforts are best used elsewhere. So let me know. Uh, Seventy dollar retainer sounds pretty nice. You're great man. I'll connect you. Okay, Aaron. So just hearing hearing you talk about this, I mean, it's very exciting hearing about you know, the way this business has grown and, you know, how successful you've been. I guess I, I'm probably speaking on behalf of a lot of the audience here when I'm saying, is this something that is replicable? Can someone who's working their nine to five and they might want to shift away, create their side hustle or a student who's trying to find a more interesting way to pay for school? Is this a business that they can get into as far as uh, creating a product or a service in a niche that they're passionate about, creating that social media growth? networking is that a viable business model for uh you know a student right now well i i think absolutely it's just a matter of like what someone wants to get out of it and how long they want like it's just it's all about the the, the variables of input and output as you go through so i i think for me i have a full-time full-time gig that i don't want to leave like this is not a hey i want to leave my nine to five so i'm going to do this other thing like this to me is uh is it's a hot it's a hobby that became something significant. And I think, you know, I think about uh, the timeline wise, like I'm not, it's not like I'm like paying my mortgage and we're, like, we haven't taken much money out of the business at all. This is an inventory business. I don't think people understand, like as the business gets bigger, if I'm predicting the business will be bigger next year than it is this year, which we are, that means that I'm going to have to carry more inventory, which means it's going to take more cash flow. And the only way you get cash flow, unless you're, you're, using personal money, which doesn't make sense if you're taking money out, or if you go the investor route, which means you're then giving up percentages of your business. The only way to do that is to reinvest the profit from this year. So that means you have no profit this year. So, and, and profit is a weird thing in that business because inventory doesn't count as an expense, obviously, until it's cost of goods sold. So if you make 50 grand this year, but you want to go buy 50 grand worth of product for next year, you get taxes on 50 grand. So it's not actually 50 grand. So I think there's this like this build and this growth and this like management of it that not a lot of people have like, let's call it the patience or the patience or the stomach stomach to be able to, to deal with. And I do think there's a skill element, right? Like, again, we, I, I use the example of like people play, a lot of people play softball for fun and that's fine. I do too. I play in D league softball. We're really, really good. <laughs> right. So like, but I don't, I play twice a week. There's no practices. Like I show up, we play, we go home. It's fun. But like a division, like they're playing four or five nights a week. Like they're playing, they're traveling to tournaments. Like they're doing a lot of other stuff, but it's still their after job hobby. My after job hobby is the business. I just think I play at an A level in that after job hobby. So it gets a bunch of time. I am fortunate that I like my day job, which means that, they they blend together honestly like i to me i think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't sit don't see is that like my day job really really has helped me feed the learning into the other business and some of the other things that i do in my other business really really have bled into my day job and i think like a lot of that trade off is important but yeah i i, I do inventory sometimes at midnight i mean i we work overseas we work with china it's i think it's a really cool thing they're exactly 12 hours difference from eastern time so like their 9 a.m is my 9 p.m so right like i can get up at 5 a.m and work with them at 5 a.m i think i say that i'll caveat this with sleepism i'm not up till two in the morning so i'm sleeping three hours a night trying to build it like that's not that's not the build but 
can anyone do it? Is it replicatable? Yeah. I mean, it's harder to do now than it was five years ago, especially with things like Instagram, but you can definitely still do it. I think it's about the idea of building a community. I think if it's a product-based business, you're going to have to be super mega patient because if you need to bring an inventory six weeks in advance on lead time, the only way you're paying for that inventory is with the profit of the inventory you're selling today, which means you have no money and the business has no money. <laughs> uh, the faster you grow, the bigger that problem becomes for you where you have less money. I mean, our business in our, our third year like took a big jump forward. We had to invest more of our own money in and we're like, our business is growing. We're doing really well. Why don't we have any money? Like, why are we not making money? It's not that we weren't making money. We weren't profit. It's not that we weren't profitable. The P&L was fine, but the cost of goods sold did not equal the asset that's on the balance sheet of our inventory. And in today's world, a big piece of what that's been, I say today's world, the COVID world of a supply world, we just really like we're lit, like we're running cash zero, like big time cash zero. I want as much inventory in a warehouse in the U.S. as I can possibly get. So I have no idea what's going to happen over the next six months. And whoever has inventory when stuff happens is whoever's got stuff to sell when people want to buy it is going to win. So I, I just think there's an element of that. Can anybody do it? Yeah. Can anybody do it really well? Absolutely not. Um, can anybody do it for like six months and, and kind of put a couple hours in and like not realize they're making a ton of money and kind of get bored of it? That's probably like the, the norm. But I think there's just like, what someone trying to, to deal with. We're five years in. I don't pay my mortgage with that business. It's at some point we will be able to do that. And we have like the next five years as we go through. But every time we bring in a new product, every time we do something else, like it just eats the profit of our current sales to try to to put that stuff in the in the warehouse. And we're not willing to like sell a piece of the company just to go do that because we're just that's not what we're in it for. So I think there's a lot of like patience dynamics that need to be there. And that's why I also think people need to be genuinely interested in what you're doing. Someone wants to be like a, you know, go build a supplement company on Amazon who actually doesn't like to do that. They're probably, there's, you make a couple bucks and sure you'll sell some stuff, but like, it's not going to be something that's going to, you're not going to like hang your hat on it or sell it for an exit at some point because it's never going to get there. You'll, you'll, you'll get bored with it. I don't know if that makes sense. I think I might uh, make my next business venture opening up a tungsten store because it sounds like there's a market. I don't know. If I could go to the tungsten store and get our product from you in less than eight, well, yeah, eight-ish weeks, I'd, I, you, you would have a new customer. There you go. All right. Uh, first first uh, listener to, I guess, ask for that. They can. I'll sell you the idea. <laughs> sell you the tungsten store. Uh, perfect. Okay. Well, uh, I guess... Um, I mean, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because obviously you've been a good mentor role model for me is I, what, like, what would you do right now? If you were 20 years old, if you were just starting out as an entrepreneur, what direction would you take? I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but you I said, I'm like, I don't know. I might, when I say, I just, I don't know that I would take in a different direction. I think one of the biggest, so I, I say that kind of a little bit facetiously, cause I'm like, I still don't know where I'm, I mean, I'm 36. I'm a kid. I don't know where I'm going to go next. Right. Like, it's like, it's almost if someone asked me, what do you want to do in your thirties? I don't know. Um, but I'm okay with that. Like I've always talked about uh, liking the environment you're in because different things are going to change. And if you like the environment and you kind of like the construct and the structure, you'll be fine. I think for me, what I would say if I was 20, if I had to go give my, go give my 20 year old self some advice, I'd say like, just try some stuff just keep, you know, try some stuff. And I did, like, I think that was fine, but I'd be like, as long as someone's not being a flake, 
as long as you're not making excuses and just flaking on stuff when things get hard, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to be like, I want to go do this thing. I want to go change and do this. Hey, I want to run my own business. I really didn't like my phone ringing at, at 9 p.m. or being accountable to a customer or like needing to chase down accounts receivable or all those other things or dealing with employees or all of that stuff. Like, I, I just didn't like that. That's okay. Just go be a leader inside a corporation where somebody else can deal with some of that stuff. That's also okay. Go do that for seven years and be like, I'm bored of being in the office. I want to go back the other way because now I'm a little older and have a bit more skill and maybe some more context out of, as, as now that I'm 28 to better handle my phone ringing at 9 p.m. Or like, you know what? I don't want to be out with my friends till three in the morning. That's not quite as appealing anymore. So now maybe I can actually like till 10 p.m. or get up at 6 a.m. or whatever. Like stuff's like stuff's just going to change. So I don't know. I think it's a it's a process. I think 20 is such a cool age. As long as somebody, all you're doing is gaining experience. So as long as you're not quitting, just because you like, and I don't like this anymore, or that you're someone's you're flaking on commitments to other people. Literally, nothing you will do matters. Nothing you, nothing I did, like nothing is that impactful for most people at twenty, from twenty to twenty six. Like nothing happens. <laughs> like I don't know. Like it's it's good. Have fun. Try stuff. Learn from it. See what you like. Who are you built to be? Do you want to be the last line of defense? Do you want to be in a corporation? Like you're just trying to figure out honestly, like who, who you are. I think so 20s, are, I'd say it's when you're done school. When you're in school, like you kind of learn who you are, but like somebody else is telling you how to be. Like that's when somebody else is telling you how to be. This is how many classes you take. This is when your classes are. This is the marks that you need to get. Everyone else is setting the standards at that point. It's really when you finish school that you start to be able to understand and 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 learn a little bit more about who you are and, 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 and what you're built for. And then, but you got to kind of put yourself in other places and it's okay. Like you're not going to have your life plan figured out when you're 22. You're just not like, you're going to go down this business that entrepreneurial thing didn't work. So you'll work in a company for a while. You don't really like that company because of this. So you learn from the entrepreneurial, you learn from the company. Well, what are you doing next? So I don't know. I think that's, that's the thinking I would have. That's what I would do if I was 20, which is, kind of the pathway that I took and yeah, there's millionaires at 23, but there's also people that win the lottery. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I remember actually one of the first uh, conversations we ever had, you told me you wouldn't uh, trade being 30 for being 20. So I'm yeah. like, there's, there's hope for a brighter future for me as I waste away my youth. <laughs> uh, my next question actually was going to be corporate job or start a business. So I mean, I guess you answered that. Uh, I'll be with a, with a non-answer, but uh, next question, real estate or, stock portfolio if you're young right now where would you be putting your money i mean you could feel free to wing that a little bit if you have a different direction you take that what are your thoughts on financial management for a young person i think uh it depends on your risk tolerance and what you want to get out of it so that would be again a bit about knowing who you are right you know i also like to go to the casino so you know if so if you like to go to the casino it's probably stock market if you're not that interested in the casino it's probably it's probably real estate, right? Like I think real estate will, it's like the slow, steady, less sexy. Like you're not going to go get real estate and all of a sudden triple your money. You're not going to go, man, I put 10 grand into the stock market. Now it's 50. That 10 could go to zero, but you could also go do that at the casino. So I, that's how I would think of it. If you like the casino, stock market, you don't house, depending on where your head's at, 
you know, I think a lot of people that if you can get a house when you're 20 or, you know, when you're young, I mean, that's, I would go that direction. Especially if you can rent it with roommates. Like I know that's a big thing, you know, for, you know, for yourself, Owen, and just different and, and yourself too, Quentin. Like there's a, there's definitely a big element of, of that. Like that's, that's not going to be a bad play. Like you're not going to, that's not going to be a bad play. Right. Even if like you bought a house and you found out 10 years later, five, two years later, and now you're like, Oh my God, the pipes burst in the basement. And it's like 30 grand. It's like the end of the world. I'm like on well, 20 years from now, like that's not even going to be a thing. So for that property. So I don't know. I, I think that's, that's how I think about it. Real estate's a big part of what, um, what I'm building for my family stock market is too. I think uh, for me, I spend a lot more of my time in, in, in crypto right now. I know that's a big sexy thing for a lot of people. I just think I want to know more about that technology. That's why I play with it. Cause I think that's going to be a big part of the way the world works and like the banking and finance system works in a decade. So I just want to know how my money works more than I want to know about like, it's not about Bitcoin to the moon. <laughs> it's about learning the technology, but I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if uh, if Ethereum, you know, 10x. I wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I was about to say I don't know anything about the technology. I'm really just in there hoping that I accidentally become a millionaire. Uh, <laughs> that actually does lead to an interesting follow-up question. You mentioned the casino. Should I become a gambling addict? As a, as an no, no, it's not good. I've never seen anybody happy at 40 with a gambling addiction. So never met never met one. I don't know. Maybe it's just the circles I hang hang in, but I've never met anybody there. Fair enough. Okay, good advice. Uh, now Owen and I are just selfishly asking for life advice and guidance, I guess. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, I want to know, Aaron, what are some of the most important habits that you have developed over the years that you would recommend other people cultivate? Um, uh, patience is a big one. That's a, I don't know. It's a habit. It's not like the it's not like I wake up and drink celery juice. Maybe that would be a good thing. But like, I just think it's like a habit to like, uh, to stop and look backwards. I think everyone looks forwards or wants to know, like, I want to get to here. I want to get to here. I want to get to here. I think that's a, a habit for me. Sometimes even I was just uh, with my wife, like an hour ago, we were just talking, like we had to have a quick time out and go built a lot of stuff in the last few years. You know, there's still a lot of stuff we want to build, but let's take a quick time out. Uh, another habit we've talked about. It. Sometimes I'm better at this habit than not, but we, you know, you guys know about a win book. So having, having a book where it's just like literally writing what was the biggest win of today. It's all that book is for. It's a really cool habit when I'm on it. I just I, I know I'm in a better headspace when I'm doing that. And then when things are tough, I literally can just read this win book. And some of them are tiny. They're kind of micro and silly. You can literally just flip through and read page after page after page after page of things that were going well. You're like, yeah, like, okay, like stuff's not that bad. I think that's a good a good habit um to, to get into i think for me sleep is a habit i have been horrible with that habit in the last six months but i know that i have been there's like an awareness around that habit i definitely i definitely am more productive so i think there's the element of for me you know i can work a 12-hour day but if i sleep eight before that 12-hour day i get 12 hours out of it but if i sleep five I only probably get nine hours out of that 12. So I just, I know that that's a really big, you know, a really big habit for me. And then, uh, yeah, another habit for me is just, uh, I think really for me, is just starting to write. It's a habit for me the last little while that it's just fun. Like I, I think that's just something that I wish I did more of, you know, even people are like, I wish I took more pictures. It's the same idea, I think. 
Um, it'll be really, really cool. Those things that you forget so much happens in life and so much happens day to day just to write. I don't write every day. I probably write once a week. I wish it was more often. Sometimes I don't write for a couple of weeks, but you guys have been part of the run. I mean, this July has been insane. I was in, I was, you know, I had a trip with you guys for the, at the beginning of July. And then I was in Kelowna houseboating with people that were out there to try and be a part of that. And just some of the details that happened there, I'll never forget. I'll never remember a, a year from now. And then the event that, you know, we were at before I had one in between like last week when you guys were, we were together, like just a crazy run. Like my wife and I have a baby in three days. Like it's just a, a crazy it's just a crazy chapter, right? And I think that's a really cool habit to develop just to go pause and look back, but also just to try to capture it. Cause I'll never remember. I'll, I'll never remember the, like the micro details of it, but it will be cool to read back. And that's also why I think the win book really matters. Cause you can go, okay. Like if you, if you write a win every day, like what was, what was the biggest win? What was the best part of today? What was the biggest win? If you want to read back through that, especially if we're talking about entrepreneurship and how do you start it is like the most losing negative, challenging, it's brutal. It is such a brutal environment. So usually things are going wrong most of the time. And if they're not, then you're, you're probably gonna have something explode soon. <laughs> so like, it's just kind of the nature of it. So to be able to like look back at stuff that's going well, but in a different form than just in your mind, I think that's really important. What I really like about your, your answer is all of those things uh, you've shared with, with us like none of those were secret habits that you in the background have been doing to be this like you know highly productive human you've shared all those things with us um just like we're, we're you know throughout the years um so yeah definitely not a selfish not a selfish guy and I, that kind of leads into my next question last question I think as well um and feel free to not be modest I feel like normally you're pretty <laughs> relatively <laughs> modest um, but what do you think separates you from so many people who try to start things and and are unsuccessful um that's a really hard question to answer I I just think I I've gotten endurance that's that's what I would think you know I just I can endure it like enhance like there's a I used to joke like through cult like college bro which we know each other well through like i just i just outlasted everybody like that was a big piece of it to me and i think there's an element like you know, only not a lot of people can survive in that environment for forever because it's so real it's just so real and i think that's in it really that's a big piece especially in, in an entrepreneurial world um i'm gonna butcher it, but there's a so everyone wants to talk about like living like a passionate life right like what's the passion what's your passion passion, passion. but like so there's the the there's a German context to that, and I'll, I'm going to butcher it. So anybody who's German listening, to that, I'm very sorry, but it's like it's like Leidenschaft, something like that. Like the word is is for passion is something like that. It's two halves, and the first half is actually about like like pain. So it's like the first part is about like pain and punishment, and there's again more context. I'm butchering it overall, but the the concept, and then the second half is like the ability to endure pain, and that's really what that context of like what is your passion right like if anybody's super passionate about something and you really want to do it and you're going to be in it and i'm i i lean to the sports side but like anybody who's been a hyper like a, a super high performing athlete has had injuries like physical pain and have had to endure physical pain and like sometimes not, you don't always win like it's not all like so i think that's a big 
piece of it that I just, I, I super connect with when it comes to the business that we all know each other through uh, or my business outside of it or being a parent or like any of those other things is like, I just genuinely can like when it hurts, I dig, I dig in further and I, I'm like, I got to figure this out. This is not about like this. My instant reaction is like, okay, this hurts. It's not going well. This is a mess or this is a problem. So what am I going to do about it? Not, I need to like bail. And I think that's a really big piece of like that concept of like, again, the German, the German, I'm going to have to look it up now that we're done, but I haven't thought, I haven't thought about it actually in so long, but like the, like that, that German concept of like, what is actually passion? It's like pain and then the endurance to, to deal with pain. And it's not just that, you know, rainbows and cuddling unicorns that I think a lot of like, sometimes the North American side think about, and that's always been built into me. I, you know, when I ran my window cleaning business, when I was in, in university, like I'd knock on doors for hours. I didn't really care. Like you get the nose, the nose, the nose, the nose, the nose. I was just there to, I just wanted to hit my goal. Right. Like that's what I wanted to set. Like, I think that's a big piece of it. And, you know, I also think the bigger the business that you run, uh, the more pain and problems there are. So that is the same with, again, college bro, which we all know each other through, uh, whether it's Wu Tungsten, we have way bigger problems right now than we did two years. Like a big problem right now is a big problem versus like a few years ago. Like it wasn't that big of a problem. Um, you know, a, a seven-year-old can get into more trouble than a, a seven-month-old. <laughs> a 17-year-old can get into more trouble than a seven-year-old. And that's, that's what I think a lot of that stuff is. And if you really want to do it and you really want to play in the big leagues, like, and you really want to run a big business, like you've got to be able to deal with a lot more stuff. And I think that's been the part that's allowed me to be successful is that I can just withstand, I can just withstand the the stuff that comes with that a lot longer than a lot of other people can. But it's because I actually genuinely, I actually genuinely want to be in that, in that environment. Passion and uh, tenacity then really. There's no way, there's no, success otherwise otherwise it's just a hobby something to think about there i guess that uh, brings us to today's sponsor duolingo german Uh, if only aaron had (laughs) actually done it before the the lesson (laughs) i didn't do my prep i'm sorry that's all right Uh, well thanks very much for jumping on today i really appreciate it obviously we we talk fairly often but it's nice to get in this formal setting to be able to ask these questions and to hear from someone who's of course a lot more you know experienced than than myself um super valuable as always so thanks very much for jumping on it's been excellent talking to you 100 percent, guys at any time i think it's um this is a the entrepreneurial environment is something that i'm like relatively protective of and i just don't really enjoy where it's gone in the last five years it's gotten so sexy it's gotten like hollywood right and and i just think that's such a bad thing for a lot of people it brings a lot of people to brings a lot of people to the to the environment that honestly don't belong not from a negative like you don't belong here but from they just can't handle it and they should probably they'd be happier and more successful doing other things but for those that want to play and, and do stuff it's there's there's a lot of room for everybody. So great to see you guys. Keep it real as always. Thanks, Aaron. And for the audience as well, before we go, where can we find you? If anybody wants to get in touch, what's your Instagram? All that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, Instagram. It's uh, it's me, Aaron Anders. 
you'll find me. I think that's probably the easiest way. I'm on Facebook as Aaron Anders, but you know, Instagram, it's me, Aaron Anders. I'm there. And, and they, they have, have the, the, the Wu so. Tungsten. They can check that out. Maybe buy some uh, rare yeah, metal uh, anchors for their. Yeah, Wu Tungsten's yeah. everywhere. It's at Wu Tungsten, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. You'll find us at Wu Tungsten.